to the Growth Guys Podcast, presented by KinderReeseCoaching.com. This is the number one podcast for real estate agents who are serious about growing their business. Get the strategies and tactics to grow your business fast while building the lifestyle you dream of. Now, sit back, buckle up, and get ready, because we're about to get real. The Growth Guys Podcast starts right now. What's up, everybody? It's another episode of the Growth Guys Podcast. What's going on, Kitchens? What is happening? Happy, uh, what is it, Wednesday? Happy Wednesday? It's Wednesday. Seems like, it's, uh, seems like every day is like the same day. <laughs> yeah, it's Groundhog. We're all living in Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. So we're about to open up, um, right? I know I talked to a couple people um a couple agents in different areas of the country this week and we always seem to end up talking about so how are things going are you opening back up or what's that look like and i know we're um we're set to start opening up on friday right are you are you opening up around you or stuff opening up on friday yeah i was uh looking at some of the trying to figure out man i don't want to fix dinner tonight but what can i what can i Came up fine, and I saw you know a bunch of the comments. Yeah, hey, we're we're opening it up for for in in uh, in store dining opens up on Friday. Man, I'll tell you, I didn't realize this, but but Colleyville uh, out here, I guess they just never wanted to shut anything, and apparently they opened um, like before they opened this week. They they opened last weekend patio dining so gloria's and this mexican place called rio mambo's i guess they said screw it we're gonna open up anyhow and there was like a three hour wait their patios were jam-packed i mean i'm a little sketchy on it honestly i'm not i'm not completely convinced that it's you know smart to just just open up on everything but hey i mean i i get it i would love to be able to sit on a patio right now and have me a margarita and Instead of being, you know, although like we were just talking about yesterday, I instead went to the lake and grilled some bratwurst. <laughs> hey man, you know, it's out of the house, which, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of folks are tired, tired of it, ready to get out. Could be a good thing for the housing, you know, for us, for us agents, right? For the housing, you know, people realize, man, this house. This house ain't gonna do it. <laughs> if I get locked in again, I need something bigger. I need something different. <laughs> and we need more space. I need my office to be on the other <laughs> end of the house. Or, or, and you know, um, and I was talking to somebody else this week, actually Josie, about how it's going to affect business moving future. And you know, she works for a large architectural and design firm that does a lot of hospitality, multifamily. A lot of country clubs, they do every project with Club Corp, for instance, and so on. And they're already taking into account that things are going to change as far as business centers and stuff. They're going to be designed differently. The co-working collaborative spaces are going to be done differently. They're already anticipating that builders are going to implement social distancing and spacing into their design floor plans and you know, is it going to be now our, our homes, do you need to start positioning the extra bedrooms as dual offices? You know what I mean? And is there now, a, if I'm building a home, is, does it make sense to think about building it with an office more in mind than you might have just as another room? You know what I mean? Actually intentionally do it in such a way um, where people can really fully function. I mean, if that's what things might get to. It's interesting. 
know, you know, too, I wonder if more of the, uh, you know, we've had, there's some around here, right, that have that extra, like an extra little house inside of a house, right? Like where, you, you know, you have, you know, your, your parents or somebody a little like bit older. Like a mother-in-law that, suite. Like a mother-in-law suite. Yeah. But they have this next-gen mod home or whatever it's called. But it's, it's like you go in instead, instead of the suite. I mean, they've got like its own kitchen and, and everything in there. So like they could be self-sufficient. So I'm just wondering because, you know, there's, there's a lot of folks that haven't seen their parents that they're used to seeing their parents or, t- or helping take care of that they haven't mm. seen their parents in weeks and weeks. And so it just makes me think about even my dad, you know, I mean, he's still young. I mean, he's, he's, he's only 73, but you know, you, you know, you start to think about him and if, if you know, what if, I mean, who knows what this is going to do or what's going to happen, you know, when it gets cold again, but you start to think about that, you know, what if you go to a situation now instead of it being a six week, what if it's longer, right? I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I don't I choose try try not to choose to believe that. But like you know, there are people that like man, you know, maybe I need to get my parents in. So what does that home look like? Just you spurred a thought there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, my grandmother lives with my mom, um, and it wasn't because yeah. of this or anything. But uh, you know, they they just did that really because. They always spending time together. They, if they, before they were living together, they were living next door to each other. And so eventually, and she's and she's 92, yeah. and she's been she's been doing good, man. But she struggles, you know. She um, probably and and I take it for granted, you know, two things. But I just see it through her. She's just downhearted about not being able to go. She used to go to the life care, the life care um, retirement facility, and she would volunteer and play cards with everyone. That was her thing. Bingo. She'd win two or three dollars, you know, <laughs> playing bingo or whatever, and and that was her one two days to get out of the house. You know, she don't drive no more, and that's a, you know, and now she hasn't been able to do that, and so that's really been deflating for her. She doesn't understand why my mom is home all day but still has to be on calls and is in her office. <laughs> She's home all day, but I never see her, Jeff. <laughs> my dad, yeah, you know, my dad too. Got it think about it you know um you know he's he's by himself and you know he still works at the golf course he goes and opens up the golf course you know four days a week and so you know he's gone he went they're back open now but they were shut down for a couple weeks he didn't leave the house for like a week um but then he got to the point where he's like screw it he just get his truck and drive right just to get out of the house so yeah you know, we we're lucky enough to have family and um, close by, and to have somebody in the house with us and stuff. But I was thinking last night, man, I think about when you lived single, just by yourself, and what that would be like. You know, just being yeah. uh, in an apartment, baby, back when you were in your twenties or something, being in an apartment, you know, just by yourself, man. Uh, so we're all lucky to have kids or pets or family around to be able to share in the quarantine with us. It's something to be thankful for, for sure. We're gonna, I know kind of what we're wanting to dive into today, but just you, you made me think of something right there that um, a few clients of ours are, are working on. Um, think about, you know, those that are, that are in an apartment complex that are like right on top of each other, right? So like maybe, maybe they need some, so maybe they want some social distancing. So 
they may be a great um, potential client and opportunity, um, that particular niche going after the home renter, right? Uh, or the uh, apartment, apartment, somebody in an apartment renting in an apartment. Hey, you need some social distancing, you know, maybe some time to buy. You ready to buy? You ready to get to, we can get you into a home? Um, because that, I mean, that's real. I mean, just think about it. I mean, if you're stuck in your home and you're stuck stacked on top of other people and you're riding the elevator with other people and stuff like that, maybe yeah. time to. And maybe you got maybe you got a little extra money, you know. Maybe you maybe ironically, maybe you have a little extra money. For I was talking to somebody the other day who was getting unemployment, and they were getting paid more than what they were getting regularly from the unemployment, which is not good. But you know, and and you know, I just I got my twelve hundred dollar check. I thought you know I wasn't even expecting it. The other day I looked, and that twelve hundred dollar deposit for the government was in my account, and. Um, Wow. So pe people might have a little extra money that was, you know that needed a little extra for a down payment or something. Who knows? You know, more than likely they probably need that money to just continue to put food on their table. But you never know, and it's asking the right questions and figuring out what the right problem is. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We talked about the mother-in-law suite and how more people might be interested in doing stuff like that. We talked about how you know things might change as far as what you need. The value to your prospect might be that there's two bedrooms that could be offices and it's maybe your responsibility to point out that fact and reposition the way that you would normally describe the value that a home represents so all that really comes down to talking about what is your current market and then what's your ideal market you know we're probably you're you're probably not uh you know, maybe you are. Maybe those two answers are the same, right, Kitchens? But I think sometimes, you know, for a lot of people, there's your current market. What I mean is the demographic of your your client base. You know, that means the property value that most of your clients are purchasing at, the, the credit quality, um, the stage in life. Is it a first-time home buyer or, you know, a fourth home buyer or whatever? And and so what is, what's your current market? Where's your money coming from and where your clients are coming from? And then what would you ideally like? You know, I'm a work, we're working with a client in Ohio, um, Mark, and we're hiring an ISA for him right now. And I remember a few years ago, we've been working with Mark for a while, but at one point his average pro home sales you know, price was around 250, like the national average. But because he's been intentional in focusing in certain neighborhoods that opened up opportunity to a higher priced home, his average home sale price now is four hundred thousand. Um, and that was all intentional. He just said, man, these, you know, so he he had a current market, and then he had what he wanted his ideal market to be, and then he went after it, right, Kitchens? Yeah, man, it's that identifying that addressable market, and we need we need as many as we can, but at least a minimum of three that that we want to um, to have and and so you look at you know really where where are the real opportunities in in the marketplace um, and and then being intentional from that point we all we always talk about for sure <clears throat> you've got to you've got to go after the people that that know you like you love you trust you I'll give you another example from an addressable market in in the current opportunities and it's with it's with our man Dan um, out in Reno, and you know uh, we were talking through Reno's Reno's locked down. I mean they're starting to you know protest 
um, there's going to probably be moving pretty quick on, you know, they're going to have to figure something out. But I was like, bro, who's, who's buying and selling? He said, man, we were talking about the deal that he just closed. I said, well, what do they do? He goes, well, they're, um, they're one of the frontline workers. They're a nurse. They work in, you know, a hospital. I'm like, they got job security, brother. I was like, who's, who's getting paid? Who's, who, who's out there? And so we talked through it and, and his addressable market in his current market situation are anybody on the front line, right? Mm -hmm. Any frontline worker. And, and so he's like, I know what I'm doing this week. And I was like, what's that? He goes, I'm going through my database and I'm reaching out to every frontline worker that I've helped in my career in real estate. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to connect with them, see how they're doing, see how things are holding up. How, how things are going on, um, you know, and just just kind of talk through and, and re reestablish and re um, really reengage that relationship, and and then you know can continue to talk through because what happens, Jeff, you know this. What happens when they know you're in real estate and you're calling these to check on them? Just that because you called them and you're having a conversation, they're going to. So man, hey, what's going up? What's up? What's going on in real estate? And that can lead right into the natural conversation of being able to educate them. Here's what's going on, but here's who we're seeing. The real buyers are are a lot of the frontline workers like yourself. You know, when you get it can be natural. You know, you know any of your any of your buddies or whatever you guys anybody talking real estate with you, and you know, it can be real natural. It doesn't have to be salesy, but identifying who your addressable market is and reaching out and connecting with them and having those conversations like what you and I were talking about on what the heck is really going on with folks, right? What it, What is their real frustration and fears? And not guessing, like, and the only way that you figure that out is having conversations. Yeah, so we, we were talking about, so what is the right problem? You, you know, once you kind of do understand, and by the way, just expand on the adjustable market. You know, you use that term um, a couple times. And so just unpack that a little bit on and why you refer to it that way. Yeah, it's um, the, the addressable market. So who who is that your, who is the market that we need to be able to address right like who is really a real opportunity in today's market and you think about it on the real estate side of things um and you know listings right anybody that's either potentially identified i need more space in case something else happens again or what hey way man wow this is way too much home this is too much payment when you know i took forbearance and maybe i didn't negotiate correctly it's not going to be tacked on the back end. They're going to make it all do at once. I can't afford that. I've got to get out of this house. Like really trying to identify who who's a real target in your in your marketplace um, as as your addressable market. Um, you know, for, for what I go, what I'm thinking through, like on from a coaching perspective, is that you know we've identified the eight stages of growth in the real estate space. And, you know, to me, all eight stages are an addressable market for us from a coaching and training organization. But each, each one of those individual stages is a, is a different avatar, 
right? Like what like is an idea is a different avatar. They have they have different they have a different demographic. They have a different frustration and fear. They have a different wants and aspirations, and they and they have a different um, trigger to where they'll make a purchase. So it's like it's not just one like one avatar. It's like well, what are all of the addressable markets? And that's a great great example, right? You know, an agent that's a solopreneur doing doing zero to fourteen deals. They've got different problems than a stage four, five, or six that has a small team that they have leadership responsibilities to, they have payroll responsibilities to, like they've got different frustrations and fears. And so that's mm -hmm. what we mean by addressable markets is being able to know exactly, you know, what, what, you know, what, what, what are they? What are our opportunities with, with those, with those addressable markets? So you got buyers, sellers, investors, talked with a client this afternoon in Atlanta that um, his his number one opportunity addressable market was investors, and that's a huge opportunity because big players aren't buying things right now. So if you've got investors that have money, man, they're looking for deals, and um, that's where he kind of has really honed in on and dialed in on is um, you know helping solve <laughs> you know the wants and aspirations of that investor. And that's how you know what he's doing right now uh, is one of his one of his addressable markets lead sources to help put deals together. So once you get the addressable market, you know then what you're really working on is is defining and honing in on that persona. I'm sure everybody's heard that term. You know, over the last five or six years, um, it's been one of those hot words. <clears throat> and uh, there's some cool templates online that help you flush out what your you know that what that persona is but uh persona avatar you should have multiple um just like he's saying you say buyers and sellers investor that's great that's a good start and then you can look at you know what types of buyers uh, and you know the interests of a person looking to to live 30 minutes outside of downtown is different than the interests of a person who's wanting to live right in the heart of downtown so those would be two different addressable markets and two different personas but what we're going to find, I think, when you the goal is when you start to hone in, all right, what's the what is the addressable market, and then who are the people in that market? What are their interests, their likes, their fears, and what's their problem? That's going to help you create your persona. And the important part in that is what is the right problem and what is the wrong problem. So you know, oftentimes the problem changes. Kitchens and I were talking, you know, today in the current environment. The problem has changed as far as what we're trying to solve, whether it's trying to do a virtual showing of some sort or it's trying to provide a solution, you know, in some other way. But there's also the risk that you're trying to solve the wrong problem. And I think, you know, what I really thought when I typed out kitchens is, you know, sometimes you're solving the wrong problem, but also you're solving a problem that's already been solved, right? Sometimes, I mean, if you look at like, are you just trying to solve the, the That's a great discussion. Expand on that for everybody. I mean, uh, I'm just trying to think of an example, but let's say that I said, all right, so my persona is somebody who wants to live out here in Grapevine. Um, you know, their problem is is that the uh, home values are pretty high out here, and so they can't really get into a decent home without spending, let's say, half a million or more. Um, so maybe the problem is find hidden 
investor deals with 20% or more discounts in Grapevine, Texas. I don't know. But, you know, what if there's a five, 50 other sites or 50 other sources where people can get that data? Then, you know, um, going back to we talked about on a previous podcast about don't uh, swim in, in uh, red water. You know what I mean? It's So, you know, what's the different problem? Well, maybe, you know, maybe the real problem is um, how to position yourself to buy that $500,000 home with $20,000 equity from the start. You know, I'm just making stuff, but, you know, that's maybe a different problem that nobody else has, has solved, right? So find the right angle. You know, today, everybody's trying to do something virtual. Um, and we're going to get into the importance of really honing in. Once you know what the right problem is, then being able to really hone in on on your value proposition. But right now, everybody's doing some sort of virtual. So here's a couple that I saw recently. I saw somebody, I can't remember who it was, but I love the way they positioned it. Um, and it was, uh, it was an exit I can't remember how they phrased it, but it was it was basically solving the problem of, well, if I commit to work with you, what if I'm not happy? And we always say, hey, no problem. You can cancel at any time, right? It's kind of the standard thing. But they called it um, like in uh, uh, 100% exit something. It had a good naming convention, and, and, it, and then they had an image and everything that went along with it, and it was uh, just positioned well. The other thing is, these virtual showings, I know you've talked to a couple people that have come up with a, a kind of a naming convention and, and a value proposition that's centered around that. The other night, I sent you a text, it was probably like 10 o'clock or something, but you know, every, if you're watching TV or you're listening to anything today, you hear all these other industries using terms like no contact, no touch, contactless. And so that's when I sent you that text message. I said, this is the one, no contact showings, you know, contactless yeah. showings, no touch yeah. showings. It didn't, it didn't hit. I was like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> so You're like, what? <laughs> but, uh, you know, on another note, I mean, that's where, you know, my mind is always going. It's 1030 at night, and I'm like, man, how can we reposition the offer, you know? And so it's like never, you know, a, a true entrepreneur and those of you, I mean, you have you have to be similar, otherwise you wouldn't be in the business that you're in. Uh, it, it never turns off. And if you're always aware, there's opportunities and inspiration everywhere, especially outside of the real estate industry. One of the things that I'm working on right now is take, taking this big old binder here. Kitchens and I were talking about it the other day. I mean, this is just one of these binders. And over the years in sales, and I spent almost 20 years in financial services selling you know, investments and stuff, and I accumulated all these scripts and closes. I mean, named closes, like the last resort close, the puppy dog close, the, all these different closes and these different strategies. And I'm going back and rewording them, just using the same framework, framework because they're proven and they work, but just swapping out some of the verbiage. So that's an example of you know taking something from another industry that's been proven and then applying it to what you might do in real estate. So, I mean, Domino's is contactless, contactless delivery. Well, what if I had a contactless listing presentation? <laughs> I don't know. Have you ordered pizza from, from someplace since all this no. has gone down? I just uh -uh. weird with it. Kid, like the kid, you know, he sets it on the doorstep and then he kind of steps away. And I'm like, dude, like, what do I stink or something? He's like, <laughs> just like walking away. We did order. We we did order something from somewhere, and we got to the door like at the same time as they were putting it down, and it, they were like, "Oh, oh they, they were worried." <laughs> oh boy, you know all the all the 
fun stuff about changes. Who moved my cheese? Who moved my cheese? Yeah, which is a great book, by the way, for, for you guys listening in. If you struggle with change and things uh, that are that are how do I adapt to the new norm? That's a great book for yourself, and that's a great book, a great recommendation. In fact, if your kids are struggling, there's uh, Who Moved My My Cheese for for teenagers. So if your if your kids are struggling with the change and adapting and kind of what's what's going on, missing out school, missing their friends, um, then grab a copy of that book. It's it's a super short, simple read. You get the you get the point, but it's it's really powerful. So that's uh, I'm glad you glad you said that. So the one point that I was gonna I was gonna say once you identify that addressable market and you get to know that that avatar you know that um, you know profile of of who who those those people are, then then you got to be thinking about where are they hanging out, right? Where where are they? Where are their eyeballs? So, you know, Facebook, Facebook pages, um, you know, is it more of a professional type, a medical profession if you're in the market? So we've got clients that are in Rochester where the Mayo Clinic is. Like, where, where do they congregate? Where do they hang out? Um, you know, what, what, is it, what, are they, what are they, you know, before this, right, like, what events do they go to? Like, where where are the trade shows? Are are the meetups for, for these for these type of people? Like, what what um, what are they reading? What are they subscribing to? What are what are their their associations? Because when you know where where they're hanging out, you know how where you can get your offer to them, right? So that's that's kind of that that next phase is that we can have the best offer and best message, but if we're not getting it to where our opportunities are at and where they're paying attention, then you know our conversion is going to be off. Yeah, and I just want to give everybody an idea. I mean, you know, he's going through the detail. What he's saying is exactly what you should do, and it takes. I mean, you have to spend. Um, some time to do it. It's not something that you would just do in five minutes and it would end up looking something, you know, uh, probably something like one of these deals. And you'll see, you know, this is just an example. And you can go online and, and this, you know, be proactive. These templates are out there and available. Matter of fact, inside of Kinder Reese University, I believe if you search persona, we've got a couple, uh, a couple there. But let me um, let me see if I can just open this this up because I don't think you guys can probably see it too too well here. Um, let's see, open this image up in a new tab. Here we go. And so you can see, I mean, background. So it's staff accountant, uh, founder accounting, right? Completed his undergraduate. So maybe background is I don't know if I knew who my client was, I would know, right? If we're talking about health worker, background is went to college. Um, you know, specialized in, in medical or medicine, uh, demographics of the male and female, what's the age, what's the annual income, do they live currently in a townhouse or condo in an urban area, in a, you know, what, what are their goals, where do they want to be in the next three years, five years, what's their, um, you know, goal as far as home ownership, what are their hobbies and interests, what are the challenges that they have, you know, their common objections, great one, what are their biggest fears, 
I mean, that's the detail in which you need to go, you know, to go into. And so that would be one of those for a buyer, one of those for a seller, one of those for an investor, one of those for my luxury buyer, one of those for my first time home buyer, um, one of those well, for what? Yeah. What's that? Downsize. Now I'm a downsizer, right? I'm trying to downsize. Right? And so why would I go through? Absolutely. And so the reason that you'd go through all that is now, and by the way, we would name them. If you notice, like this one is, what is he? Tommy, Tommy Technology. We got Tommy Technology there. And so we do the same thing. We have, if you were to go into our HubSpot, I can't remember now, honestly. Um, <laughs> but we have them named. And uh, so name it. You know what I mean? Johnny, first time buyer or whatever. And this will help you with your content strategy and it'll help you create the right message so that you can connect and be really hyper relevant with your value proposition. And the key to really discovering that value proposition is going to be trying to join the conversation that they are already having in their head. And I'll say that again so it sinks in because Kitchens and I love it. And like I could just sink on that for forever. But the goal is to join the conversation that your prospect is already having in their head. So what's that conversation right now? Man, this house is too damn small to be cooped up in for two weeks. As soon as things get back to normal, we got to get more space. Damn, things are changing. I lost my job or I'm furloughed and we can't afford this mortgage payment anymore. We need to think about making some adjustments. Or, man, I got some money in my pocket. I wonder if there's any chance that I can maybe get approved right now. I keep hearing stuff about interest rates being low. Maybe, I mean, what's the conversation they're having in their head? love that right and and so you know maybe you guys have heard you know meet them where they're at that's what that means right meet them where they're at meet them where the problems that they're having the conversations that they're having in their head right the conversations the pillow talk conversations with their significant other and and so that's where you guys have to go with it and if you don't think through you know what the frustrations and fears are and, and and so Jeff we talked about this earlier you don't guess so how do you get that information what well, was the example that I gave you with Dan in the frontline workers he's gonna call he's gonna call through his database the people that know him like him love him trust him that are on the front line and what are they thinking about right what are their problems what are their fears what are their frustrations what are their wants what are their aspirations you don't guess. You do that through conversations, and you need you need at least thirty. You need at least thirty, and here's why: because your first ten will just be random. <laughs> it's not enough of a sample to determine what you need to do with your content. Like Jeff said, Jeff nailed that. What is your content strategy that's speaking to their problem? And and so the next ten. Will really start to uncover some things, and the final ten will validate it. Okay, and so that's why you need that's why you need those thirty to give you enough sample to really be able to identify the frustrations, fears, wants, and aspirations, and then an idea of what's going to get them to pull the trigger. Key buying drivers that's going to get them to pull the trigger to do business with you. And that allows you to create the amazing content, right? The amazing content that 
speaks and addresses, right, that addresses your your market segments, right, your addressable markets. And and so that's that's the absolute key, guys. You got it, you've got to do that, you've got to get out there. Um, you know, think through too. Where do they congregate, but how will they consume it, right? So how, how was your, how was your, you know, uh, what was it, Tommy Technology? So how is Tommy Technology going to be consuming your content? And you got to think through. That's why you want to, you want to, you know, does, does Tommy Technology get on Facebook? Or does Tommy Technology, like, heck no to Facebook, but I'm going to live on LinkedIn. So, you know, Thinking through where that target audience is and knowing where you need to position your content that'll resonate with Tommy Technology. So hopefully this is sparking some, some creative thought for, for you guys. And this is I mean this is no different. I mean, Jeff and I are meeting Friday for strategy and I got I got my little canvas of, of stuff and I got my Tommy technologies as we're as we're laying out. And I know Jeff lives and breathes and that's all he thinks about. Is, is all of the stuff that we're sharing with you guys. So um, it's it's really, really important that you guys spend the time and get clear, and especially as things are kind of shifting, right? You know, by, I mean, it's not as easy to get, to get into a home, which is also maybe a good thing. Less tire kickers. Less tire kickers out there and more people that are really legit when you're talking to them that are really actually able to do something. And some tactical ways you can do that, simple, pick up the phone, start calling people and ask them the question. So that's one. You can send an email to your database, ask your database a question. You can, everybody's been through a quiz funnel at this point. If you've done anything on Facebook, and you're going to start to see more and more use of it. Uh, Kitchens, you were at a, a large event, I think last year or, or two years ago, maybe traffic and conversion, where they, they focused a lot on the importance of having a quiz funnel. And now you're starting to see everybody's doing them. Uh, and so that's a good way. When somebody downloads something, put them through three or four questions that help you identify what persona they should be categorized as. What's their biggest concern, their problem? What's their goals in the next five years? Whatever those questions are that you know are the qualifying factors so that you can kind of segment the database, um, look to insert those. And so those are some ways you can do it. The email, get you a little quick funnel, um, a landing page with a quiz, you know, um, Doing video, and you talked about how, you know, different strokes for different folks. If you're doing a podcast, um, have it audio and video, and and have turn it into the key points into a white paper, so that you know some people just want to scan a PDF. They don't want to watch an hour. They don't want to listen to Kitchens and I talk about it for an hour. They just want to see a PDF that breaks it all down. Yeah. And huh? Talk about the points. I mean, because you're you're diving into copywriting oh, yeah. right now. Talk. Talk about the bullet points and the power of that and being able to s summarize it down into, hey, here's the, the key points and how you can leverage that. And kind of un unpack that for a little bit. This might be a little, like I'm taking you down a rabbit hole, but I think it's, it, it's, it's worth going down that, down that rabbit hole. Well, and it does kind of go into the, you know, finishing off. We started with trying to figure out who your ideal customer is and then, uh, kind of solve the right problem, right? You can do that by using quiz, asking questions. If you don't know what the problem is, uh, through that, you're going to be able to create a persona then and, and, and kind of the goal being to join the conversation they're already having in their head. And then at some point, you're going to get to, with all that information, 
you're going to get clear on what the value is that you provide. And that's going to be your value proposition. And ideally, you should be able to convey it in you know, one, maybe two sentences. It should not be a paragraph. It should be similar to a bullet point. And what Kitchens is talking about is um, reading this book about all the way through it. It's um, called How to Write um sales copy that sells maybe uh, but it's by ray edward how to write copy that sells by ray edwards and uh it looks like that if you're on uh well it don't look like that does it if you're on uh, uh call it audible or whatever you know that's it and one of the takeaways that i've had so far one of them is he he he's states that you know nobody uses bullet points enough nobody uses bullet points enough and they don't use them effectively. And actually, he gives you 21 templates of different bullet points. So the most popular, um, you know, he gives you some of the most popular ones. And I'm not going to go through them all, but uh, definitely look it up. There's 21 templates there. But, you know, we don't use them enough. And, and using them in the right way, which you'll, you'll get a sense of when you look at these templates. Um, and so your value proposition, similar to a, a bullet point, right? Um, we're able to get you up to 18% more money when it comes to selling your home. We have a proven repeatable system that has worked in every major market across the country. Um, I've been certified. Only 1% of real, real estate agents in the United States have had the training that I have had. You know, th those are uh, bullet points that maybe would describe you and your value, right? Um, if I was talking about the contactless showing, uh, get, get, more, get more attention for your home without more traffic. Um, you know, uh, what's one kitchens, you know, um, and I like get, that one. get qualified buyers without having to leave your home or, or get more showings with less hassle. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and so I would try to list and you see, it's not easy. Like you should have to think about it. And when you follow the formula, it helps you. It definitely helps. But you know, that was three. We should have 30. And one of the things that we're going through right now is for different project or different products and and different business entities, we're going through the process of writing 107 uh, bullet points. It's basically the 21 categories times five. I might be off on the 107 now, but it's the 21 templates and then writing five bullet points for each one of those templates. So at the end, I think it's 107 that you end up with 107 bullet points and once you have that every piece of copy that you ever need to write every ad that you need to put out there on facebook white papers whatever you've got a a, a pool that you can pull from so i think bullet yep. points are super super important and done correctly they will help you with getting clear on what that value proposition is because that's super important so once you know what the problem is you can engineer your value proposition, hopefully, in, in a way where it's short and concise and conveys to your prospect, you know, that you can, that you can get the desired outcome, right? And you, and you sell the transformation, and you sell the transformation, right? If it's contacting, if it's a contactless showing, I'm not selling necessarily, uh, you know, I'm, I'm selling with that the the uh, convenience of not having the, 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 the no stress of having to worry about anybody coming in your home, the security of safety, getting your home sold without the fear of getting sick. I mean, that's what I'm selling. It's the transformation. It's the journey that you're selling. It's not the we use 
you know, gloves and, and masks when we bring somebody through your home, you know, that would, I'd, I'd, maybe I'd write that down once and then I'd go, ah, you know what, that shit's too cold. That, that ain't, that's not doing it. And I'd cross it out and do it another one. And that's exactly how it should go. One of the things that, that also took away from this book is like the best way to write great bullet points and the best way to write great headlines, the best way to write great copy is to write a lot of shitty copy. <laughs> and that means, you know, you spend an hour and maybe you write 100 bullet points and only 20 of them are worth a crap. But you'd have never gotten there if you hadn't wrote the other 80 that weren't any good. And so I, from my own experience, and I would just share and suggest for anybody else, don't get discouraged or anything if it's a struggle or if you feel like a lot of them just aren't on par with what you'd like them to be. That's the game that we play. <laughs> you know, it reminds me, um, you know, James, James Clear and Atomic Habits, he shares, this, he shares that same story, what you just, what you wrote down in that particular, that particular activity or that, you know, what you're focusing on copywriting. But um, I heard it. What what Clear talks about, I hear. I heard it a different way, and I think I think he even says in the book, "Hey, I might be changing this up a little bit from what I originally heard." But um, what I had originally heard with that example was, it goes back to uh, the college professor that had um, an arts an arts um, uh, course, and he broke the, the class into two rooms. You know, group A and group B. And Group A, um, their course grade was going to be based upon um, creating 50 pounds of, of pottery, right? Clay pottery, 50 pounds of it. So everybody had to have uh -huh. 50 pounds, and they would get an A. And of, of actual, not you can't just throw just product on there and get 50 pounds. I mean, you had to create. 50, you know, 50 pounds of, of different, of, of actual something. And then the other group... buy it on Amazon. I couldn't just go and buy it on Amazon. Really. <laughs> and I am 100% butchering this, but I think you'll get the point. The other group, group B, was going to be graded on one perfect pot, right? They All they had to do was create one perfect pot, group B. And so what, what, what he found, what they found was that group B with the perfect pot Set around theorizing and talking about it, and like, hey, this is the design. This is how it has to be. This is going to be. This is how it was to be. And um, they never nailed the perfect prop, the perfect pot. Whereas in Group A, because they were doing so much shit, just creating fifty pounds of something, they created perfect pots. And so the whole point is exactly what you just said: is that the only way you create a perfect pot is when you create a bunch of pots, <laughs> right? You, you create a bunch of, you want some really good copy, it's because you write a ton of copy. And that's, that's you know, the, the whole principle behind it. And, um, and it's, just a, it's just a great takeaway for, for everybody listening in is that, you know, you guys really want to nail something, you want to be a better copywriter, write more copy, right? And you want to be better at Content. sales. Yeah. You want to get better on shooting those, shooting those videos, shoot more videos, you know, uh, yep. post on Facebook, post on Facebook, you know, and if you take into account what, we, what we're talking about today, you get a lot of uh, leverage with one activity if you can do it the right way. So we talked about, you know, asking the question um, to figure out what your, your persona or is problem, what their problem is. 
you know you can do that you see it all the time on Facebook right asking the audience on Facebook with a simple post hey what's this now what I I can uh, it allows me to consistently post which I'm trying to do anyhow it also gives me information from uh, what my people are are triggering on which I'm trying to find out anyhow it helps me understand what the problem is to the people that are actually listening to me which I'm trying to do anyhow you know oh matter of fact um, now let me you know solve that problem with the white paper which I'm trying to do anyhow and so there's uh, if creating content is a struggle then I would maybe stop trying to think so much about creating content and just think about asking your audience what they want and uh, and then you'll create that and you should have an easier road because you've had people literally tell you you know what what they're interested in and so uh, and and then just do it often right if you recorded a video and it and you didn't feel comfortable doing it that doesn't mean do it again it just means do it a hundred more times so man you know our our uh, <clears throat> our uh, good friend mr. John Cheplak always says my my crappy video is better than uh, your not video yeah well, that's <laughs> right yeah I so I was like, I, I see you. I got you. I love it. And it is. This man is so true. You know, my, you know, my 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 run that was you know 12, 12 minute average for you know twelve minute mile average for you know for forty five minutes was better than you're not doing anything, right? It's the whole David Goggins, right? It's like, man, dude, it's one hundred and twenty degrees. Why are you out here running? Because you're not. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Right. Well, um, you know, so just to kind of recap, again, it is important to think about who and be intentional about what you want your your market to look like or where you want, you know, what you want your ideal customer to look like and uh, and then hone in on what that person likes, what are they interested in, what are their problems, what's the conversation that they're already having in their head craft your value proposition, you know, the, the solution, the value that I provide that person, considering now that I know their problem and their interest and the conversation that they're having in their head, I can use that to create copy. So, boom, I just jump right into that conversation. They're already having in their head. I just jumped right into it. Um, and then, you know, all that will help you be a little bit more intentional and focus on, you know, when we first started this episode just before we went live, the reason that we thought that this, this was important is that right now um, when there may not be as much opportunity although there is still opportunity there is absolutely no doubt about it uh, people are still buying and selling but you know if there's not as much then it's even that much more important that we focus on the right people and I'm delivering the right message <clears throat> so in order to do that you kind of need to go through the the process that we talked about today when things get a little bit more you know the new normal and there's a lot of competition to get those people that are out in the marketplace. Uh, you know, you need to be real clear on what your message is there because there's going to be a lot of noise. And so this process would help you get prepared for that and, uh, you know, just take a real intentional approach. And I know Kitchens, every week you're working on um, a lot of this stuff with the uh, agents that are part of your master class. And so I just wanted you to have you just kind of uh, share a little bit on how that's going. And uh, then we'll let everybody know that if they're interested in working with uh, you in particular on a weekly basis, 
we'll show everybody how they can get more information on that. But how's that going at this point? It's great. You know, we're we've kind of gone through a um, you know a, a deep dive, um, getting our head out of the sand and, and taking a real hard look at our um, current situation, current reality is is what we call it. And once we once we have our current reality, then we start to create get into the creative manifestation of what we want it to be. What do we want our business to be? What do we want it to become? And as we as we move from there, we move into strategy because really that's, you know, the strategist always wins. And so really being um, really strategic and, and, you know, you may say, well, well you know, the, the marketing guru, the marketing guy always wins. Well, marketing is a part of strategy. So, under, understand that so we that's why the strategist always wins because the strategist is is a marketeer if you will and so um, understanding that we get into strategy then we get real clear on the priorities um, I heard I, I read something over the weekend you know I definitely <laughs> um, from a productivity point I, I, I don't know if I would say expert but definitely um, could whatever your definition of expert is, I can I can maybe make a case for that when it comes to uh, productivity. And um, you know, we've always talked about the number one productivity tool was the calendar. And yet, I read something that just kind of like hit me, and I've been I've been really thinking about it ever since I read it over the weekend. Was you know, the number one productivity tool was the word no. And and so listening. You know, kind of, kind of going through, and when we get down to priorities, priorities helps us get clear on what we're going to say yes to, but more importantly, what we're going to say no to. And that's that's the real power of that. And, and here, guys, what I'm telling you is not sexy at all, and that's why most people don't do it, or don't gravitate to it, or don't pay attention to it. But these are the fundamentals. These are the principles, and these all apply to your any equity of your life. This process applies to any equity of your life. And so once you get clear on your priorities, then it's, you know, making sure, you know, clear on goals, understanding high leverage activities. What, is, what does that mean? Well, it's if you want any type of result, what are the activities that drive those results? And those are your highest leverage activities. And the cool thing in this business, there's only about four or five. So really knowing what those are and making sure that we're allocating the right amount of time to those activities in our calendar and not allowing the force of distraction to come get us now because that force of distraction is real and it will get you especially with the with social media so having an understanding of that kind of working through the additional framework you know scoreboards visibility to be able to run your business and and then also understanding the financial aspect of things making sure that you have a budget like actually have a budget and what is that and, and being able to look at a budget versus actual, understanding salary cap, we'll, we, we break that down, understanding that, whoops, you know, what does that mean? It's like, well, we've got X number of dollars coming in. Number one goal in business is to make a profit. Now, what you do with that profit is another conversation, but you have to understand you're in business to make a profit. And our goal and our, our want, our results that we want for you is to really run this and treat it like a business. 
we take you through salary cap. We, we break down lead, lead pyramids, the hierarchy, where you need to focus first, all the way to um, to the top. Um, make sure you're, you're paying attention, you're tracking the things you need to track outside of financials, but also KPIs, key performance indicators, those drivers. And then, you know, we're going to wrap up the masterclass with what does the team have to look like to support and hit your goals? And it's about organizational leadership at that point. Um, you know, the biggest thing when you go through that process, what then transitions next is you growing as a leader. And, um, you know, that's uh, what, uh, what we're working up towards. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited. We, have, we actually have our live coaching call. So part of the, part of the um, master class is that um, Masterclass Plus is that there is live coaching with me um, every every Thursday, uh, 10 a.m. Central. We, we do that, and uh, I'm looking forward to jumping into the class tomorrow and uh, coaching coaching them up, making sure that um, they're clear on strategy, answering all their questions, and as they move into really determining their priorities for the next 60 days, the rest of this quarter, to uh, set themselves up to continue to crush the the year. Yep. So I just want to show everyone real quick on uh, where they can find out more information. I'll walk through kind of the uh, the curriculum also uh, one more time here. Kitchens just went through it, but you know, there's two ways you can go about it. If this is something that interests you, you can just get started immediately and go through the digital course, or if you want to have a little bit more one-on-one -on -one, um, attention, then you have the opportunity to join Masterclass Plus, which is uh, a small group that's working with kitchens on a weekly basis every Thursday. And so that's the call that he's talking about there. But it really is all the principles that we have created our coaching system around. And so agents that coach one on one with us, this is some of the same stuff that we go through with them. You know, for those of you that aren't at the stage in business where one on one coaching makes sense, this is a great place to start. Whether you're you know, I would say ideally, you know, you should have uh, a handful of transactions under your belt for sure. Um, although it might work for a brand new agent, it would be good for you to have a little bit of momentum that you can build upon. And there's no reason why if you were to go through this course with kitchens that you shouldn't double or triple your production over the next 12 months. I don't think that there's any reason why you wouldn't. If you did everything, it's really hard to avoid the results, honestly. So if you are stuck on a roller coaster where you have one deal one month and no deals for two months, then this would be a class for you that's going to teach you the system so you can consistently generate deals. If you're wanting to focus more on sellers because they're more predictable for you than buyers are, then this is going to show you the lead strategies that you need to focus on generating more sellers and the systems and processes that you need so you can devote more attention to that side of the business. So it's really a good fit for anybody who's wanting to grow their business. And you can get started immediately digitally going through this course. You can see module three is about clarity. You'll have your own personal clarity report that you will complete. Um, we have the strategy where you'll also get your own strategic planning blueprint. This is some of what we're going through tomorrow or Friday. Kitchens and I and the rest of the team have a strategy uh, meeting Friday where we'll be using a document like this and going through um, you know, the priorities and, and what's part of our strategy over the remaining two quarters of the year. Priorities, goals, and KPIs. So one of the most valuable things that you're going to get is a clear understanding on what key performance indicators you should be tracking in your business. And then you're going to follow that up with QuadTrack, where you're going to get 
your own personal QuadTrack financial model. And this right here is worth the entire cost of the course. Just having your QuadTrack financial model. If, if, if you follow John's instruction when it comes to dialing that in, then you'll never be in a position where you don't know if you're going to have deals or you don't know where you're at. You will always, good or bad, know exactly where your business is at, whether you're on or off pace, and what you need to focus on to make up some ground. You'll get clear on your high leverage activities. Getting your calendar dialed in is one of the most important uh, habits that you can probably implement so that you can focus on the right things at the right time. So, I mean, this is invaluable. Again, this is the same stuff that agents pay $12,000 a year to help us really one-on-one -on -one uh, implement in their business but you can uh, get it digitally and like I said if you want to um, you can always include the Masterclass Plus portion which will give you access to that small Masterclass group that is uh, that is joining Kitchens Live every Thursday but you can go to masterclassegs.com and you can get signed up normally we would be selling this course for 497 right now you can get it at 60% off if you're watching this so 197 and it's up to you if you want to join the Masterclass Plus or not. It's up to you if you want to sign up for it at all, of course. Um, but, again, if you think that you want to grow your business and that you're just maybe lacking some of the systems and processes that you need to do so, which honestly is what we see most of the time. It's not usually a lack of talent. It's not a lack of leads. It's not a lack of opportunity. It's none of that. Usually it's a lack of systems and processes so that, all those leads and all that opportunity and everything uh, gets realized and you're able to leverage the most. So I would definitely recommend anybody who's, uh, who's looking to get something like that in their business to uh, sign up. And then uh, also be sure and drop any questions that you guys have throughout the week to kinderreesquestions.com. And uh, we're going live quite a bit these days. Uh, Kitchens is going live every Friday, and we're focusing on answering all those questions on that call and throughout the week. So if there's any questions you have, any time of the day, any time of the night, you can drop them at kinderreesquestions.com, and, uh, and we'll be answering those. So again, guys, just a reminder to get that master class if you want to get that at 60% off right now. You can go to masterclassegs.com. And you'll find more information about it, and uh, we would love to have you in the group. I know Kitchens would love to have you on those Thursday calls. But, uh, man, a good episode today. Appreciate your time, Kitchens. Any final words for everybody out there? And just um, you guys pause and, and slow down for a second and get clear on, on, on where your real market is, your real opportunities, you know, what uh, – what are the demographics, you know, Tommy technology, you know, what are their frustrations, fears, wants, and aspirations, right? Because there's some real, there's some real people out there that are looking for opportunities. They have some aspirations. And what's going to get them to buy? Um, think through where, the, where, where they're at, right? Where, where are their eyeballs? Tommy technology might not be on Facebook or Instagram, but Tommy technologies might be on LinkedIn. So you got to kind of think through who, who that ideal, your ideal, you know, opportunity, your ideal client and where, where are they hanging out? Where are they congregating? Um, and how you figure that out, you have conversations. You do quizzes. You poll people. You just you extract that information. And then that, like what Jeff nailed, um, helps you like, really nail your content 
strategy that speaks and helps them join the conversation that's going on in their head. That's really, really powerful that you guys get that. You know, maybe you've heard it, meet them where they're at. Join the conversation that's going on in their head and um, you'll connect with them and they'll start to listen and you'll find their problem and your offer, your offer solves their problem. You bring the ad bill for, for their problem and they will buy. All right, guys. Well, stay safe and we'll see you on the next episode of the Growth Guys podcast. You've been listening to the Growth Guys podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast fix to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please visit us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at growthguys.com. Catch you next time on the Growth Guys Podcast.